What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing why the Minnesota Vikings can win the NFC North this season, why the Carolina Panthers will make the playoffs with the addition of quarterback Baker Mayfield, how good will Notre Dame football be this upcoming college football season? Is this the best Notre Dame team in the last 25 years? And how good is Oklahoma State football going to be in 2022? If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. You know, I'm a little bit taken back by how many people don't view the Minnesota Vikings as a playoff team going into the upcoming NFL season. Because the last year, you got to remember, this team went eight and nine. They were really close to sneaking into that to the wild card round. And I think that if they would have made it into the wild card round, they would have gave Tampa Bay a more competitive game than what the Philadelphia Eagles did. And you bring in new head coach Kevin O'Connell, who comes from that Sean McVay coaching tree, which has been pretty successful, even though we don't have, you know, a large amount of of successful head coaches from that coaching tree. Zach Taylor was just in the Super Bowl a couple of months ago. So you look at Kevin O'Connell, and there are a lot of Minnesota Vikings players on the offensive side of the football who are really excited about how this Vikings offense is going to look. Justin Jefferson was on NFL Total Access a couple of weeks ago. He was asked about the offense. He said that, listen, this offense is going to be really explosive. It's going to be a pass-first offense. It's not going to be old school running the football like how it used to be under head coach Mike Zimmer. This is now going to be an offense that's going to be predicated on spreading the football around, getting all the wide receivers involved. And then you look at the fact that you have Kirk Cousins, who is coming off the most efficient season of his career. A lot of people look at Kirk Cousins and they say, you know, he's a okay quarterback. He's not good enough to win you a Super Bowl. I think that's false. And a lot of people have to get out of that mindset. You see, Kirk Cousins is a top 12, top 13 quarterback, which is pretty good. And I think under Kevin O'Connell, he's going to end up becoming a top 10 quarterback this season. You guys remember what the narrative was about Matthew Stafford before he got traded away from Detroit to the Rams and he went to a brilliant offensive mind in McVay. We saw how that elevated Matthew Stafford. I think the same thing could happen with Kirk Cousins under Kevin O'Connell. And you look at the division. I mean, it's not that great. Outside of the Green Bay Packers, you have the Detroit Lions, who should be better than what they were last year, but still have one of the worst rosters in the NFL from a talent standpoint. You have the Chicago Bears. A lot of Bears fans are at least hoping that they can get to six wins, and that's them being overly optimistic based on what they did last season and their eyes. So for the Minnesota Vikings, you don't really have that difficult of a schedule. You open the season at home against Green Bay. Then you travel on the road to Philadelphia week two. Then you have the Detroit Lions. You go on the road to face the Saints. And then you face the Bears and the Dolphins before your bye week. And after your bye week, 
things start to heat up a little bit for you. You have Arizona, you play Washington on the road, then you have another road game after that one against Buffalo. You play Dallas, New England, and then after that New England Patriots game, it's pretty much smooth sailing for the rest of the year. You pretty much only play two teams who should at least have a record of 500 or better, that being the Colts and the Packers for a second time during the season. And then you also have the Jets, the Lions, the Giants, and the Bears. So you have four teams who are all expected to finish below 500. So you should be able to win at least three or four of those matchups. So I think that Minnesota ends up going 10-7, 11-6. Maybe they could get to 12-5 and and potentially win this division because the Packers offense is not that great. Yes, you do have a good duo of running backs and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to make up for the lack of proven production at the wide receiver position. However, the offensive line isn't all that great. It's decent. The defense is still going to be really good. It should be one of the five best defenses in the NFL this year. But... This is one of the first times in a while that I have been going into a season really optimistic about the Minnesota Vikings' chances of being able to legitimately take this division away from the Green Bay Packers. And I'm pretty sure if you're a Packers fan and you're listening to this, I think that you probably look at Minnesota and and they, they frighten you a little bit. You may not be intimidated all that much about Minnesota, but you do view them as a threat. Because this is one of the most talented offenses In the NFC, you have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, who could end up going for over 1,700 yards this season. You got Dalvin Cook, one of the five best running backs in the league. You have Alexander Madison right behind him. Really, the only weak spot people are going to say when it comes to Minnesota is the offensive line. And the offensive line is, to be honest with you, pretty solid. You have Christian Derisaw, Brian O'Neill. They're going to be manning your two offensive tackle positions. Azara Cleveland at left guard is pretty good. But you do have weak spots when it comes to center and right guard. But outside of those two positions, your offensive line is still pretty solid. So you should at least have a top 15 offensive line heading into this year. With the fact that this offense is going to be predicated on having a rhythmatic passing game getting the ball out pretty fast being efficient in a short intermediate game and then taking shots downfield I think that Minnesota's offensive line should be good enough to be able to win this division because here's the thing we look at this defense and I think this defense is going to be okay I don't think the Minnesota Vikings need to have a top 10 defense or even a top 15 defense to be able to win this division because at the end of the day, they can outscore pretty much the majority of opponents that they face this year. So even if their defense still isn't as good as what the Packers defense is, it doesn't matter. This offense is going to get theirs regardless. This is an offense that should at least be able to put at least 22 points per game on the scoreboard against you. So even if you do have a stout defense, this offense is still going to get theirs if Kevin O'Connell is as good as an offensive mind as we expect him to be, at least if you are a Vikings fan and you're myself. So on the defensive line, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, they're pretty good against the run. You got Zadarius Smith, who 
prior to his injury last year, was coming off a 12 and a half and 13 sack seasons back to back and back to back Pro Bowl appearances. Daniil Hunter still is really productive. Eric Kendricks, one of the better linebackers in the league, led your team in tackles. The question is going to be the secondary, and the secondary has kind of been the biggest question mark for the Minnesota Vikings over the last couple of seasons, but you have Patrick Peterson who returns. He probably is now starting to enter the downwards side of his career. He's probably going to end up regressing more than what we saw last year, but he should be able to give you better than average cornerback play. Cameron Dantzler has been really good for the Minnesota Vikings the last two seasons. And a lot of people don't really talk about it, but he was targeted a lot. I think he was one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the NFL last season, and he held his own. You got Lewis Sign, who you drafted from this past year's NFL draft out of Georgia. I love him. He's a headhunter. He's somebody that if you're a wide receiver and you're coming across the middle, you're definitely going to look out for him before you catch the football because you're going to feel every single hit that he delivers if you're coming across the middle. You have Harrison Smith, who still happens to be one of the five best safeties in the league. So for Minnesota last year, the main reason why they didn't make it into the playoffs was simply for the fact that There were a lot of times when Mike Zimmer's defense folded when it mattered the most. You have an offensive-minded coach now. You're going to have somebody new calling the plays on the defensive end. So for Minnesota, I would be extremely shocked if they don't make it into the playoffs this year. Because Minnesota Vikings fans do happen to be one of the more overly optimistic fan bases in the NFL Last year, they said that they were dark horse Super Bowl contenders, and we saw how that went. But I think this year, if you're a Vikings fan, I feel that your optimism is in the right place. I don't think that the Vikings are overrated. I kind of think that this team is a little underrated, in a sense, because Vegas has their over-under win total, I believe, at 8 at the time I'm recording this. And there are a lot of people, when I've been watching these record predictions, that have Minnesota winning no more than maybe 9 Maybe luckily to get to 10 game or 10 wins, best case scenario. Me personally, I think that this is a 10, 11 win football team. I think the floor should be 8, 9 wins. I think the ceiling could be as high as 12, maybe 13, depending on how good this defense is. Because this division isn't that great. And Green Bay isn't that talented. We're pretty much saying they have Aaron Rodgers. That's why they're going to be a playoff team. But if they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, that defense probably would have to carry the load. And you look at the whole entire NFC conference as a whole, I mean, it's not a lot of teams that you can look at from this conference right now and say that, oh, yeah, that looks like a team that should be pretty solid. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to half of this conference outside of the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers. I mean, who else do you really trust in this division? So I think that this division is wide open for the taking, in my opinion, when it comes to Minnesota and the Packers. And then when it comes to this conference, I think that we could see Minnesota arguably become one of the top three teams in the NFC this year. Over the course of this offseason, I've always been saying that the Carolina Panthers are a solid starting quarterback away from being a playoff team. You look at this roster. It's pretty solid on both sides of the football. You look at the offensive line. Pretty good. Maybe the best offensive line that Carolina has had in over the last couple of seasons. You have Ikemi Kwanu, Taylor Morton, manning your two off the tackle spots. Then you have Bradley Bozeman at center. Probably coming off the best season of his career up to this point. 
Austin Corbett, who you signed in free agency from the Los Angeles Rams. So your offensive line is pretty good. At wide receiver, it may not be a group that's going to blow you away, but you do have DJ Moore, the most underappreciated wide receiver in the game right now. He's super consistent. You have Robbie Anderson, who is a really good deep threat when he is able to catch the football. You also have Terrence Marshall, Rashad Higgins. So the wide receiver core outside of DJ Moore is not going to knock your rocks off, but it's good enough to get the job done. Then we already know about CMC. As long as he can stay healthy, if you're a Panthers fan, hopefully he can at least play for 10 games. I think that's going to be good enough to make your offense pretty effective if you keep him healthy for at least 75 to 80% of the season. And even if he does go down, you have Trooper Hubbard in the backfield. So for Carolina, you have your quarterback now and Baker Mayfield. And I know a lot of people are really skeptical about Baker Mayfield. But what I found funny is that, you know, a year ago, when we were going into the 2022 NFL, well, the 2021 NFL season, a lot of people were praising Baker Mayfield. Didn't hear nobody call him out about his leadership. Nobody had any problems with his character up to that point. And then he gets injured. The Browns start losing. And then all of a sudden, oh, Baker Mayfield's a terrible leader. Oh, Baker Mayfield's immature. Oh, the Cleveland Browns need an adult. I've never seen the narrative for quarterback flip this fast outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Baker Mayfield was being heralded as the hero in Cleveland after their 2021 season. It sounded as if they were going to build a statue of Baker Mayfield after him leading the Browns to the playoffs that year. But then he has an injury riddle season, which I kind of feel was a little bit mismanaged by Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns coaching staff. You know Baker Mayfield isn't even close to 80%, so why would you continue to put him in situations to further injure him and to further put your team back in the hole? I don't think that a less than 8% Baker Mayfield gives you a better chance to win than 100% Case Keenum. So Baker Mayfield finally gets traded out of Cleveland, which was a toxic situation. Let's just call it what it is. It was a toxic relationship. The fan base changed on Baker Mayfield. The coaching staff flipped on Baker Mayfield. And the locker room pretty much flipped on Baker Mayfield. So for him going to Carolina, not only is he going to be able to revitalize his career but I think he's going to bring some much needed energy into that Carolina locker room because the morale for Panthers fans right now even with the acquisition of Baker Mayfield is still pretty low there are a lot of people who don't believe that Baker Mayfield is going to work and that he's going to stick in Carolina but you have Ben McAdoo as your offensive coordinator now I'm not really a big fan of Ben McAdoo And that doesn't mean that I don't think he's bad or good. I just think that, you know, his work hasn't really been all that impressive. However, this is somebody that knows how to build an offense around his quarterbacks and is able to get his quarterbacks playing at a somewhat efficient level. And I think for Baker Mayfield, as long as he's able to stay 100% and you give him the keys to the car, he can drive you to wherever you need to go. Now, can Carolina get further than the wild card round with Baker Mayfield? I think that's to remain decided. But this is a quarterback who doesn't need to be rehabilitated. This is a quarterback who has already won at a pretty high level. 
This is somebody who won with the Cleveland Browns, people. One of, if not the most dysfunctional franchise in sports. So if you can win a playoff game with the Cleveland Browns, I'm pretty sure you can win anywhere you go as long as you get the necessary pieces that you need to be somewhat successful. And I think that Baker Mayfield has that. And on the defense side of the football, I mean, even if you don't trust Ben McAdoo, if you're a Panthers fan, you most definitely should trust Phil Snow. I think that Phil Snow is one of the best up-and-coming defensive minds in the game. This defense at times last year was pretty good. And there were some times when this defense even won some games for the Carolina Panthers that the offense ended up folding and losing because they couldn't get nothing going. So your defensive line, I think, is pretty solid. You got Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Matt Ioannidis, and your two gross Matu. Linebacker, linebacker, we're, we're, just, we're just going to cross our fingers and pray to the football gods that Carolina can get some decent linebacker play. But, I mean, cornerback isn't too bad. Dante Jackson, pretty solid. One of the more solid, consistent corners in the league. Probably a top 25 corner. You got C.J. Henderson, who has some promise, has some potential that still hasn't really been tapped into yet. He was still learning the system last year when he got traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Panthers. You got J.C. Horn, who had his season cut short. He could be really good this year. And then you got Jeremy Chen, who is a hybrid safety who can do it all, one of the best up-and-coming safeties in the league. So you have a pretty young, solid defense. And with Phil Snow at the helm, at defensive coordinator, I think that the Panthers' defense is going to be in very good hands this year. So with Baker Mayfield on this team, it dramatically changes things, for for me at least. Because before Baker Mayfield got traded to Carolina, I had this team at five wins. With him now on the roster, I have Carolina winning nine games. And... Going 9-8 this year is good enough to get you at least a 7 seed or maybe better. Because the NFC is not that great. And even though the Carolina Panthers pretty much play in the toughest division in this conference, in my opinion, maybe if you want to include the NFC West, I wouldn't fault you for that. But the NFC South is really competitive now. Because Carolina pretty much is a playoff team or maybe a borderline playoff team, depending if you're a Panthers fan or not. But you do have the Saints, who have a really talented roster. Also another team that's going under the radar. And we already know about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As long as Tom Brady's able to stay healthy, they're going to be in the mix. So you have three teams in this division who are are more than capable of being able to make it into the playoffs. And I'm pretty confident that the Saints and the Buccaneers are going to be there. And I think that the Carolina Panthers can sneak their way into that seventh seed because... There's, their schedule, believe it or not, is pretty manageable. You play Cleveland, Baker Mayfield's former team. I find that kind of odd. But that's a winnable game if Deshaun Watson, depending on what happens with him, plays or doesn't play. Based off the word on the street, maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended at all. Then you play the New York Giants. Pretty winnable. You got the Saints, but you played them twice. You play Arizona, San Francisco, I think that there's a good chance you could split one of those two games. Then you have to play the Rams, the Buccaneers. That's probably going to be a tough stretch for you. 
You might not be able to win neither of those two games. But you do play Atlanta, which I think that Atlanta probably is going to be competing for the number one overall draft pick for 2023 and that year's draft. So I don't think Atlanta's going to be all that great this year. You probably should be able to beat Atlanta both times. At worst, you split with them. You got Cincinnati. You got Baltimore, Denver before you play your bye or before you have your bye. So that's going to be two of your toughest games before then. And then after your bye week, things are pretty easy for you. And on top of that, you have it really late into the season, which is when you want your bye week. So after your bye week, you're playing Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa, and New Orleans. And I do think that you should be able to take care of Seattle Pittsburgh could be a game that could go either way, but you like your chances there because you are playing them at home. And then you have Detroit, Tampa, New Orleans to close off the season. Those last two games are going to be both on the road. So for Carolina, I think that nine wins should be more than achievable for the talent that they currently have. I don't think that the NFC is that great. So 9-8 is good enough to get you the 7th seed, maybe the 6th seed. So I think that Carolina is a playoff team, and I think they are going to make it into the playoffs this year. And as I mentioned earlier, year three has always been that peak year for Matt Rule, everywhere he's been. So I'm assuming that year three is going to be the year that he has things figured out in Carolina. A lot of Carolina Panthers fans have been... I wouldn't say extremely patient, but, you know, they've been willing to wait. They understood that, you know, 2020 year one under Matt Rule wasn't going to be a year that they were going to contend for anything meaningful. 2021, you were expecting a little bit of improvement. Playoffs might not have been your expectations, but you were expecting to at least be able to be in the playoff race for at least the majority of the year until the final closing weeks of the season. And you weren't able to do that. You pretty much took some steps back. But this year, I think that Carolina is good enough to get one of those two playoff spots in the NFC when it comes to the sixth or the seventh seed. So let me know how you guys are feeling about the Carolina Panthers going into the upcoming 2022 NFL season. Do you guys think that Carolina will make it into the postseason this year? This Notre Dame team is extremely talented. You have Tyler Buckner, who is expected to be the starting quarterback this season for the Fighting Irish. I think that he is probably the most talented quarterback that Notre Dame has had under center in over the last decade. Good athlete with a live arm. And he's going to be throwing the ball behind one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. Chris Tyree is most likely going to be the RB1 in this offense this season. This is somebody who hasn't gotten a extremely large workload over the last couple of years, but he has done pretty good when his number has been called. The wide receiver position probably is going to be everybody's main concern. Notre Dame hasn't really gotten great wide receiver play over the last couple of years. However, this probably is one of the better wide receiver groups that Notre Dame has had in recent memory. You have Avery Davis entering his sixth season with the program. 
before he suffered that season-ending ACL injury last year, he was having a pretty productive season for Notre Dame. He had 27 receptions, 386 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. He's going to be fully healthy this year. You have Lorenzo Style. And also, you have Jaden Thomas, who has pretty much been the talk of Notre Dame fans coming out of the spring camp. This is somebody who was highly touted coming out of that 2021 recruiting cycle. He was a four-star recruit. He's 6'1", 215 pounds. He has a good frame, really physical in the run game and in the passing game. He doesn't possess top-end speed. But he does have really good hands. I think that he could be a really good possession receiver for this team this season. We already know about Michael Meyer. He's either the best tight end in college football, in your opinion, or the second best behind Brock Bauer at UGA. He's going to end up being a potential first-round draft pick whenever he enters the NFL draft. And his offensive line is phenomenal. I mean, they have several guys on this offensive line, at least two or three who are expected to end up being drafted really high come the 2023 NFL Draft. And for Marcus Freeman, you know, I think that he is getting a really good team. And we already know how good he is when it comes to the defense side of the football. This defense is going to be one of the best units in all of college football, especially when you look at this defensive line. This is one of the best defensive lines in America. I mean, you have Mills coming off a three-sack season. You also have Jason, who had five-and-a-half sacks last year. Isaiah Folksy had 11 sacks, one of the best pass rushers in America. And then you have a pretty good group of linebackers. Jonathan Betrin, Jack Kaiser. Betrin led the team in tackles last season. Cam Hart is going to be really good at cornerback for you this year. You have a really good group of safeties led by Northwestern transfer, Brandon Joseph. For Marcus Freeman, he has one of the best Notre Dame teams that we've seen on paper in a very long time. And remember, Brian Kelly last year said several times that Notre Dame was ahead of schedule. Notre Dame was not supposed to be as good as what they were last year. Notre Dame was supposed to be rebuilding or retooling. At least we thought, and they were really good, really good. They lost in the Fiesta Bowl to Oklahoma State. Really exciting game. So for Marcus Freeman, he has a really great team, but he also has a lot of pressure to perform. And out of all of the new head coaches in college football this season, he has the most pressure out of all of them. Because this pretty much, in my opinion, is a top seven team from a talent perspective. It's all there for Notre Dame to be able to make a run at the college football playoffs. And I was recently listening to an episode of Colin Coward's podcast that he has on his podcasting platform, The Volume. And him and Joe Klatt were on and they were discussing college football conference realignment. And they were talking about the potential of Notre Dame joining the Big Ten. And Colin Coward said that this is the best Notre Dame team that he has seen in over the last 25 years. And Joe Clatt even said that Notre Dame is pretty good. So their over-under win total this year is at 9.5. And that's not a mistake, people. 
You see, I think that Notre Dame is the most overhated program in college football. You know, a lot of people view Notre Dame to be overrated, but I think that they're underrated. And I don't really like referring to the majority of college football fans as casuals, but I feel that if you view Notre Dame as an overrated program, I kind of got to view you as a casual. This is a program that's been to the college football playoffs several times. They've been to a BCS National Championship game all in the last decade. And even though they didn't win any championships or they didn't win a game in the playoffs, you still can't discredit them for getting there. You get what I'm saying? So you have to give them props for that. Because Notre Dame is one of those teams that everybody kind of just scuffs over and looks looks off. And then when they finally get into the conversation, they just want to use the, oh, they're never competitive JT. You still have to give them credit. Because there are a lot of schools who would love to have the resume that Notre Dame has had over the last decade. And when you look at this schedule, I mean, you play Ohio State to start week one. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Marcus Freeman's first official regular season game as the head coach of the Fighting Irish. Listen, I think that this is going to be a phenomenal matchup. I am going to take Ohio State to win that game because even though Notre Dame is a really talented football team, Ohio State is better. I think that Alabama and Ohio State are the two best teams in college football this year. You look at Ohio State... How are they going to match up against this Notre Dame defensive line? Notre Dame has a lot of talent on the defensive line, a lot of depth. But Ohio State has a lot of talent in their own right when it comes to the offensive line. They have a lot of people on that offensive line who are most likely going to be playing on Sundays sooner rather than later. Then after that, your schedule gets pretty easy for the next three games. You got Marshall, Cal, you should be able to take care of both of those two opponents. You got UNC on the road. We don't really know what UNC is going to be, but I think Notre Dame should be able to handle business. So before you play BYU, you should end up going into your bye week at 3-1. Then you play BYU in Las Vegas. That's going to be an entertaining matchup. I think that there is a small chance for an upset there, but I still think Notre Dame should be able to win that game. And I don't really think that Notre Dame is going to have any games that you really can look at and say that, they have a chance of not being a favorite in until they play Clemson. And I do think that they can beat Clemson this year. So I think that Notre Dame should at least have one or two losses this season. And I think that they're able to beat USC as well. So maybe one loss. So I think that they're going to be at what, 10, 11 wins this year prior to bowl season. I think that this is one of the best teams in all of college football. And I think that they're really underrated really underrated like I said a lot of people are stuck on this narrative about Notre Dame and what they've done in the past but this is a really talented football team and you got to remember that they were not supposed to be as good as what they were in 2021 they were ahead of schedule and even Joe Klatt said that he was surprised that Brian Kelly dipped for LSU even though he was offered a lot of money this is a Notre Dame football program that pretty much within the span of two maybe three years could end up winning a national championship if Marcus Freeman keeps up recruiting at the rate that he has been so far. So if you are somebody who's not high on Notre Dame football and it's because of one of those stupid past narratives that people keep using against Notre Dame, 
listen, this is going to be a really talented football team. I'm trying to tell you this. And if you bet against Notre Dame this year and one of these Clemson or Ohio State matchups, you might end up getting burned. I'm not saying that they're going to beat Ohio State. I just told you guys that I think Ohio State is going to win. But if you think that these are going to be games that Notre Dame's going to go in and they're going to get blown out like how they have been the last couple of times they've appeared in the college football playoffs, I think you're going to be wrong. I'll be extremely surprised if Notre Dame isn't able to keep that Ohio State game at least competitive until the last remaining minutes in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't. I would be surprised if that Notre Dame Ohio State game doesn't end up being you know, decided by one possession. Same thing with Clemson. Even though I believe that they can beat Clemson, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up losing that matchup by at least one possession. I don't really think that there's going to be any games this year that Notre Dame is going to lose by more than a possession. Okay, I think that this team is that good. This is a top seven team talent-wise in college football this year. And I think that a lot of people are overlooking Notre Dame. This is an extremely talented team. And there are a lot of diehard Notre Dame fans who feel the same way that Colin Coward and Joe Klatt do about this team this year. You do have some uncertainty about Marcus Freeman, just how good of a head coach is he going to be, clock management, in-game adjustments, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, this is a really talented team. And even if you're not a great head coach, talent in this sport takes you a long way. It's not the NFL. You can get carried by having a good team until you face other good teams with great coaches. So I think that the floor for Notre Dame this year, to me, is nine wins. And the ceiling, undefeated. But I'm going to go with 10-1, 11-1. I can't remember how many games they play. But I think they're going to go 10-1 this year. At worst, I think they have two losses. But you guys let me know how you guys feel about Notre Dame football this upcoming college football season. Do you guys feel that this is the best Notre Dame team in the last 25 years? Oklahoma State is coming off a pinnacle season. They went 12-2 last year. They defeated Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl in dramatic fashion. And they were inches away from capturing the Big 12 championship. This is a program that lost a lot over the course of this offseason. Their defensive coordinator departed for Ohio State to take their defensive coordinator job. He is going to be replaced by Derek Mason. And this offense, you know, can it be more efficient this year? Because last year, the offense had some moments where it wasn't really all that good. And when you look at quarterback Spencer Sanders, you know, it's always hard talking about him because either you love him or you're not all that thrilled about him. And the reason why it's so hard to talk about Spencer Sanders is because look at the stats and the statistics show you that he was really good last year. 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 62.1% completion percentage, and also was really dynamic on the ground as well with six touchdowns and 668 rushing yards. But if you go back and you watch some performances that he had last year, he had some games that he was really good and some games that he was really off. And, you know, a lot of Oklahoma State fans defend his performances last year that weren't great by saying that the offensive line wasn't all that good, which I can understand that. But the guy was a turnover machine last year. 
And there were times where he simply didn't look comfortable in the pocket and his accuracy was really off. So hopefully he improves this year. He's not a bad quarterback. He is above average in my opinion. If he can be better with protecting the football and become a better, more accurate throw off the football this year, I think that this offense is going to elevate. Now, who's going to replace Jalen Warren at running back? Jalen Warren, his dad is a huge listener of the channel. Shout out to him. He's now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looks like Dominic Robinson is going to end up being the RB1 for the Cowboys this year. 79 carries, 373 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per attempt, and four touchdowns he had last year. You lost your best wide receiver, Ante Martin, to the NFL, but you do have Brennan Presley, who was second in the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, all behind Tay Martin. You got Jaden Bray. You also have Brandon Johnson, who is probably the fastest player on the squad. He could have a big year this year. Will the offensive line play improve? Because the offensive line was pretty much the Achilles heel at times for this offense. It seems as if this offensive line would never allow the offense to get into rhythm and Spencer Sanders wasn't really all that comfortable sometimes in certain situations when he was forced to have to drop back and win the game with his arm. So this offensive line definitely has to be better. I don't know if it's going to be better. Death is kind of a huge issue. They do have really good interior guard play when it comes to their offensive guards, Hunter Weathered, um, Cole Brennan Cam were both on Athlon Sports Big 12 preseason team. But when it comes to your offensive tackle positions, you don't really know what you're going to get. And then you look at center as well. It's a little bit of a question mark. But defensively, you know, your linebacker play is probably your biggest concern. You lost Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper. They're now in the NFL. But you have tons of talent and depth on the defensive line. You have Colin Oliver, who had 11 and a half sacks last year. Brock Martin, nine sacks. Tyler Lacey, Brandon Nevers. So this defensive line is really good. They're most likely going to have a good rotation going around. So you're going to have everybody who's going to be getting legitimate playing time and snaps this year. Cornerback Jabbar Muhammad is somebody who could be in store for a breakout year. He played very well in their Fiesta Bowl win against the Fighting Irish. Corey Black also is a name to keep your eye out on for safety. Jason Taylor II was one of the better players in the secondary last year. He had 48 tackles, two and a half sacks, four pass breakups, and two INTs. So this defense, even though you did lose... You know, Converse, who I believe is now with LSU, I think this defense should still be really good under Derek Mason. I think that Derek Mason formerly spent time as the D.C. for Auburn. His defenses have always been pretty good at Auburn. Their defense was really solid. I think it was a little bit underrated in a sense. So I think that this defense should still be one of the better in college football won't be as good as last year because last year was a historically good defense. It's always hard to replicate historical performances. There's always going to be a little bit of a drop-off there. But I still think this defense should be no worse than top 20 in America. When you look at their schedule, 
Their out of conference is pretty easy, okay? You got Central Michigan, Arizona State, and UAPB, whatever that means. So you should easily be able to go through and know before you enter your bye week and then you enter conference play. Now, the Big 12 conference is up for grabs. You know, you look at the Big 12, and there isn't really a team that you can look at and say, yeah, JT, like, this team is it. They're the cream of the crop in the Big 12. You just have a lot of programs that are just there in the mix, and Oklahoma State is in that discussion. They're just in the mix. You feel me? That's not a bad thing. That just goes to show, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to how these teams are going to perform this year. You have Baylor, who you play on the road off your bye. Texas Tech could be an interesting team. TCU, Texas is going to be probably the one of the biggest games for Oklahoma State this year. Steve Sarkeesian has a pretty good squad this year. They're going to have Quinn Ewers back there at quarterback. You know, I think that that's going to be a really fun matchup. I think that's going to be one of the biggest games that they're going to play this year. Then you have Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, and then Oklahoma. Oklahoma, your rival. Um, uh, It's really tough when you look at Oklahoma because I have them as a nine-win team. But I do think that their ceiling is incredibly high. I do think that their ceiling could maybe be 10, 11 wins. So I think that Oklahoma State is going to go 8-4 and four this year. I think that they're going to be pretty solid. But, you know, you don't really know how consistent the offense is going to be still. The offensive line still is a big area of concern. And they're coming off a pinnacle year. And for Oklahoma State, they're not a team that particularly like reloads year in year out they're normally a team that kind of has a little bit of rebuilding phase not that they're you know stinking up the joint and they're having you know losing seasons or nothing like that but anytime they have a season like how they did last year they normally come back down a little bit and then they come back up so I kind of think that this year is going to be one of those years that Oklahoma kind of is going to be a little bit coming back down from the season that they had last year. Could they win 10 games? Most definitely, I could see them having double-digit wins again this year. But at the same time, you know, like, the off-the-line play is just a little bit spotty to me. You know, wide receiver still is a little bit of, you know, a concern as well. Not a huge concern, but still. But overall, I still think that this is going to be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year. So 8-4 and four is my record prediction for Oklahoma State this season. Let me know how you guys feel about Oklahoma State going into the upcoming 2022 college football season. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.